All right, I need a volunteer. Yes, I'll need a couple, but I'm going to start with you. Okay, so here, here's how this is going to work. I'm going to show you a picture, and I need you to tell me what's wrong with this picture, okay? What's wrong with the picture? Okay, that's not it. What's wrong with the picture? Does someone see it? There's two moons. There's two moons. Okay. Okay. Uh, here, next one. Okay, what's wrong with this picture? I saw Q's hand in the back. That's right. One lives in the North Pole, one lives in the South Pole. Uh, how, about, how about this one? This one's a little tougher. Okay, Asher, what's wrong with it? No. Aaron. Yes, the wind's blowing in two different directions. Okay, now th this one's the bonus round. This one's about, there are four things wrong with this picture. Uh, Joey? Yep, okay, let someone else, William. December 32nd, two more. Timothy? Yep, yep. What, um, one more. Oh, actually, that might not be one. That might be an English thing. Yes, yes. Uh, there are no tracks under the monorail. Um, so that's three. I don't remember where the fourth one is. Can you show me the fourth one? <laughs> oh, there's no doors. There we go. Now, now, thank, thank you for playing my game. Here, here's, here's the point. Just like there was something wrong with each one of these photos, but it, it took us a little bit to identify what that exactly was, so too uh, life can be like that. Uh, there are times in our lives where there's just something feels wrong, something feels broken, like with these pictures. And, and at times it can be difficult to put our finger on what exactly that is. And, and so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to begin a new series called the, On the Seven Deadly Sins, because sin is the problem. Sin is the thing that is wrong. Uh, however, I, I don't think that we necessarily have a firm grasp on what sin is and how it invades every aspect of our lives. And so as we move toward Easter, we're going to reflect on who we are apart from Jesus. And uh, we're going to start uh, doing that by simply asking the question, what is sin? And so to do that, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3. And from our text, I want us to make three movements. I want us to look at the origin of sin, our response to sin, and the anatomy of sin. Uh, now, though it may feel like brokenness has always been around, that wasn't always the world's default setting. Uh, Genesis 1 and 2 tell us that God made everything good, and then something caused it to go awry, which is what Genesis 3 records for us. We're told that the, now the serpent was more crafty than the other beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Now sometimes the serpent thing kind of messes people up. D don't get distracted by the shape of the voice and miss what the voice is saying. See, the serpent baits Eve uh, with an obviously wrong question. No, God obviously did not say that they couldn't eat anything from the garden, otherwise they would have starved to death. 
What God actually said is recorded back in chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, where, where the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, you'll notice that God doesn't really provide a rationale for that command. He just puts it out there. And so the serpent pounces on that, and he provides a possible explanation to Eve. He says in verse 4, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, God's holding out on you. He's trying to keep the best stuff away from you. I mean, look at this fruit. Like, this would be the best fruit that you could possibly have. I bet God just doesn't want you to be happy. So why don't, why don't you just take it? Why don't you just take control of your life and be like God? And so they took the fruit, and they ate it. And the text says that their eyes were opened. Uh, Romans 5.12 puts it in, ra- in more stark terms. It says that sin came into the world through one man in this event, and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. It it was this decision that that plunged the whole world into its fallen state. They they shattered God's creation. And and Genesis 3 goes on to show us how they responded to their sin. And and since they're our first parents, since we're related to them, we kind of reflect that as well. And so God shows up in the garden, wants to know why they're hiding, and asks them, so did, did you eat from the tree that I told you not to eat? This was their response in verse 12. Well, the man said, the woman who you, you gave to me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, well, the serpent, the, the serpent deceived me and I ate. See, their response is to blame shift, to point the finger at anything else other than themselves. And I think that's a common enough practice among us. We blame our circumstances, our parents, our siblings, our friends, our teammates, our teachers, whomever and whatever is in front of us. Anything but us. Because we're the victims. We, uh, we can't really be blamed or held accountable for our actions. And while, while I think that is a reaction that we have frequently to sin, the more I've thought about our context, the more I think we respond like the Jews did to Jesus' message. In John chapter 8, Jesus comes to the Jews and he says that you need to, to abide by my word and the truth will set you free. And their response is, we're, we're not enslaved. We're fine. Well, why, maybe we messed up every once in a while, but it's no big deal. Uh, I, I think... Our go-to move is we downshift. Uh, Downshifting is where we minimize the severity of our sin. Because let's be honest, uh, let's be honest with who most of us really are. Uh, Most of you uh, have grown up in the church. You come from Christian homes. And on top of that, a lot of you go to two Christian schools, which means you're getting a double dose of God and the environment is less conducive to sinning uh, per your, your public school counterparts. And so for many of us, our rap sheets aren't quite as long as others who are out there. And so you know that you're a sinner, 
but there seems to be very little in your life that you can point to and say, yeah, see, that is sin. And so sin seems more like a status that you were born into rather than something bad that you have done. And FYI, that's why this concept of daily repentance is so hard for us to grasp. Because so day in and day out, it doesn't seem like there's anything that we have done that's worth repenting of. It's because we actually don't see ourselves as sinners. And I think our downshifting is just evidence that we don't actually understand the anatomy or the makeup of our sin. Here's, here's how we typically think about sin. Okay? So we think of our life as a flower and each petal is a sin. And so there's some people that have lots of petals, and then there's some people that just seem to have like a couple of noticeable ones. And so you look at the flowers and you say, well, I, I don't have nearly as many sins as this guy, or this guy, so I'm doing fine. I'm doing better than most. What these are, the petals, we could call sins. Notice the S at the end. These are the things that we say, think, or do that are contrary to God's commands. But what we are talking about is sin. It's the root system that gives fruit and life to all of our individual sins. This gives birth to this. So the question is, what is sin? Sin is the belief that we are wiser smarter, no better, and care about ourselves and our circumstances more than God does. It, it's, it's the belief that God is holding out on me, that I can't actually trust God to be good and generous and provide for me. I have to go out and take it for myself. And that is exactly what we see happening in Genesis 3. That's what Eve does. That's what she believes. Look at what, again, spurs her actions. It's the statement of the serpent. God can't be trusted. God doesn't have the best in mind for you. And so you need to go out there and take it. That's the root system. This is what generates every petal of sin in your life, every single one. I can guarantee you every sin that you have ever committed is because of that belief. Every time you lie, cheat, gossip, talk back against your parents, you name it. Every sin, every petal that goes on the flower is because at your heart, you don't actually believe that you can trust God, that his way is actually best. That's the root system. <laughs> and it... it shows up in our lives whether you come from a Christian home or not, whether you go to a classical Christian school or, or a public school. It, it cuts all the way across. We are hardwired with this belief. And, and this, this root system reveals itself in our lives in a number, number of different ways, which is what we're going to look at through this series. We're going to look at seven ways that it, it, it shows up in our lives. But the real point of what I'm trying to get across is this, that we are all far worse off than we actually think. And the reason that's so important is because if we don't grasp the magnitude of our sin, 
we can't begin to grasp the even greater magnitude of God's love for us. A love that is hinted at in our text uh, in verse 15. Uh, God, when he's distributing punishment for their sin, he says that he will put enmity um, between you, referring to the serpent, and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall crush your head, and you shall bruise his heel. If you want a fancy word for this verse, it's called the proto-evangelium. It's uh, Greek for first good news. Uh, this is the first good news, that, that here we, we see the first testament of God's love and commitment to you and I, to sinners and rebels. And as we move toward Easter, the, the greatest demonstration of God's love and commitment, I, I want us to take a really good look at how sin has worked itself into our lives. And I want us to see that we are far worse than we think, so that we might grasp even more that we are far more loved than we think possible. 